This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Thanks for joining us today. Here's our question for today, Pastor Michael. What happens to unbelievers who are in a far non-reached people group? In other words, there are people groups throughout the world, different people groups. Some of them have the ability to hear the gospel. Some of them are in groups that would very unlikely hear the gospel because of where they're located or because of their religious uh, uh, background um, or where they're located within our earth. Let's talk about what do we think about these people that have not heard the gospel that are in these far uh, non-reach people groups? A couple high-level thoughts. Number one, no one will stand before God on the day of judgment and say, unjust. I, I totally agree with that. No one is going to be able to say that they did not get a chance to know that there is a creator. Yep. So there's going to be a day of judgment and it's going to be a surprising day. Um, we know that. We don't know how surprising. We just know it's going to be very unexpected for the vast majority of people. And people will be unhappy with the results. Some people will be thrilled with the results, but no one we'll be able to look at God and say, you were not fair. Mm -hmm. So number one, we just got to lay that on, on the table. Number two, God will stand forever as good. Yes. So even if he's fair, it doesn't, some people may say, you might be fair, but I don't like you. Mm -hmm. Yes. People will declare that God is good and right and righteous for all of eternity. However, this thing pans out. That's number two. Number three, the Bible gives as its impetus for evangelism the reality of hell for those who have not heard. Yes. So I know this is not fun. My job is not to make people like me. You know, my mm -hmm. job is to help them articulate and understand what do the scriptures teach on this? And culturally speaking, the the easy Western culturally acceptable thing to say is, well, God loves everybody. He wouldn't send anybody. And that's not mm -hmm. fair. If they haven't heard it, how would they? And that's easy to say. And that's not my concern. My concern is always with what does the Bible teach? Yeah, I what does the Bible teach about this? Yeah. I can't ramrod 21st century Western logic and philosophy onto scripture and then say, well, scripture is relevant or they just didn't understand. Like the scriptures actually had very clear categories for this because when the church launched in the first century, they went on a worldwide, like global mission, mission to yeah, tell to everybody the world. about it. So the 12 um, disciples or apostles, what we find is that they, each of them took actually regions in the world. That's right. They left Jerusalem and they spread they out. They spread, they spread the gospel. So even Paul himself in this first century understood the urgency of getting the gospel and starting churches in every single city Absolutely. of the known world. So Revel or not Revelation, Romans chapter 10 says, um, how can they believe if they haven't heard? heard? How can they hear if somebody doesn't preach? And how can somebody preach if they're not sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Dude, whole, you just quoted my favorite Bible verse. There you go. Right, just, thanks, man. So the, the, the point of that, though, is belief is the requirement for salvation. And how can they believe if they haven't heard? And so the, the catalyst, the... The impetus to evangelize and reach un unreached people groups is they will go to hell if they don't hear the gospel. Correct. And so that that yep. is the hard reality of this. Now, the retort is that's 
not not fair. fair. Which is why I said at the beginning, God will never on the day of judgment be declared to be unjust or unfair. Uh, he will be declared to be righteous and good and fair and just Agreed. in all things that he decides. And that is, that's the whole reason that Jesus gave his church the Great Commission. Yeah. To spread the gospel to all the world, to all the people groups. It literally is what it says there in the original language. To the people groups, all nations, to hear the gospel, to hear the good news about Jesus. Yep. So the book of Romans also prepares us so in Romans chapter 10, it says, how can they believe that they don't hear? But at the very beginning of the book, it prepares us for this reality. Yes. In Romans 1.20, it says this, God's invisible attributes. Basically, there are these generic things that we, anybody, common sense can tell you that we know about God. Namely, his eternal power and divine nature. They have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they, those who don't believe, are without excuse. So I love that the Bible says. I mean no offense by this, okay? But- it is an interesting and somewhat humorous statement. The Bible says that a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Yeah. Well, why? Most every atheist I know is an atheist because they don't like what God has done. Mm-hmm. Or if there is a God, they do not agree with his performance. Sure. And so they're angry, which is why historically and percentage wise, atheism is accompanied by anger. Yeah. But that being said, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And the reason the Bible can say that is because you have to look out of the universe And to think to yourself, this all came from evolution. And here's what we know now. Like this to me is one of the most logical sentiments on on the planet. The second law of thermodynamics, which I've I've spoken about this 40 times in this podcast. Mm -hmm. But for me, this is the the logical linchpin that destroys any notion of atheism. Um, Fundamentally communicates that all things all things tend towards chaos and disorder. Right. That's that's fundamentally the reality of this world. And so when you have a big bang blow up and matter spread out through the universe, the fact that at these speeds life can come mm-hmm. out of nothing and that all of a sudden the second law of thermodynamics does not apply. It no longer applies. Millions and millions and millions of times over with every single species and subspecies, right? That's insanity that that much order is going to come out of one of the most massively chaotic disorderly events in all of human history. Okay. So that being said, the idea of atheism to look at this world and to think all of this order came out of chaos where nowhere else in the observable world does order ever come out of chaos. Ever. Right. It doesn't. And to say all of this order came out of chaos. The only time order comes out of chaos is when sentient conscious beings intervene, intervene and bring and it. And change it. And whatever brought this much order out of this much stuff is going to be powerful, which is why Romans one twenty says, his God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his massive, big, mm-hmm. everlasting power to take the disorder of this world and bring order out of it and his divine nature, meaning that this is clearly a deity that is in control of this world, bringing order out of the chaos. These are clearly perceived as what it says ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. And here's the end conclusion. So they are without, without excuse. excuse. Yeah. So the person, this is what I, I, I like to say to people, the person who wants to know God, God will reveal himself to them. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's the third century AD and you have a, a person who is 2000 miles away from Jerusalem in a little tribe and they look up at the heaven and they say, God, who are you? Here's what I believe would have happened. 200 years before God, knowing that prayer was going to happen, was going to release a missionary who's going to bring the gospel to somebody who's going to bring the gospel to somebody who's going to bring the gospel to somebody. Mm-hmm. And that 
fifth or eighth generation away person removed. It's going to land on the doorstep of that person who prayed that prayer because if they truly wanted to know that God created this world and submit their lives to him, God would bring a messenger to that person. Totally agree with that. So the idea here is that the majority of humanity at the time would not have responded, which is why God didn't bring messengers to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard for people to hear. But I think what we're talking about in the theological realm is natural revelation, which is the creation and the natural revelation. We've talked about this in previous podcasts here. And the natural revelation clearly points to there is a creator. There is a God. There is a master uh, mind behind everything that's happening. And that natural revelation points us to there has got to be more answers to life. Yep. And when a person responds to that natural revelation, what the gospel is, is specific revelation. And that specific revelation, you cannot come to faith in Christ without the clear message of Jesus Christ. And that's why we've got uh, Bible translation groups that are trying to get the gospel, the New Testament first, into languages that have no message about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so they're working hard to do that. And it's, it's in those uh, efforts that we are trying to fulfill the Great Commission to far non-reach people groups. And, and we know that um, from real live stories where people have said, and I don't know if this is offensive to any of our listeners or not, but many Muslims today are saying that they, are, they, they know the Quran, they understand that the Quran speaks more of Jesus than it does Muhammad. They want to know about uh, Jesus, and then somehow God gives them a dream to seek out a Christian, tell me more about this Jesus. And then they come to faith in Jesus through the, the, the Quran, but through a dream, and then God draws them to a Christian who can share the true good news of Jesus. And his death on the cross for them. Which is so cool. And that's what I think. We're so quick to accuse God because in our hypothetical scenarios, God is in heaven and everybody, he's just not even concerned. He's just a cold-hearted jerk who's like, oh, they're all going to go to hell. We have no idea. We have no idea how God has been uniquely intervening in their lives, even plausibly without humans. Yes. Which is, again, what we've seen in the Muslim world. And we have no idea how interactive and engaged he has actually actually been. And that's one of those things where I would just tell people, be slow to make massive accusations against God. Bigger picture, the whole concept of hell is so grotesque to, uh, I would say, the emerging <sighs> cultural generation. Yeah. And uh, for them, you know, whatever. But the reality here is that is we, our job is to help people understand what scripture says about it. The reality of hell, for those who have not heard, is the impetus for Christians to bring the gospel far. Bring the good news clearly and concisely so people can understand. Yep. And if that feels unfair, two things to remember on the day of judgment, God, you will know what God knows at that Mm -hmm. point and you will call him fair. And number two, we do not know. There's what we do not know, which is we do not know how much God is intervening uh, in all of these circumstances when the resources of the local church are not great enough to reach some of these places. That's right. And I just think we're going to be really surprised when we get to have how God has worked in the behind the scenes. It's going to be cool. It is. It is going to be amazing. Well, listeners, thanks for letting us share with you today. Please come back next time when we answer the question, how can you best assimilate information into heart change?